That's Ephesians 4.29, if you'll just find it and hold it. <clears throat> and let me have your attention. As I prepare to share this message with you this morning, I want to just give you a little bit of context um, <clears throat> concerning where I believe I'm coming from and where the, the Lord is coming from with this word today. We're in the middle of a series that I've been speaking and teaching on for a couple of months called Our Signs, the Signs of the Church, beginning with the baptism in the Holy Spirit and tongues and miracles and um, the wonderful signs and manifestations of that, that church that we are in Christ. And not only that, we're also um, right in the middle of a year where I've been emphasizing since January 1 and teaching on the body of Christ and how the church is supposed to be. So we've been carefully laying out teachings and messages about what we are supposed to be, what God has called us to be as the body of Christ. So <clears throat> the question ought to naturally arise at this point. How are we, really? How are we? How are we doing as the body of Christ? And if we answer that question, if we are um, undergoing an evaluation, um, we know that we're the righteousness of God in Christ, but when I say really, how are we really, we're really talking about our performance level as believers. And there is a certain performance in the walking out of our faith. And so when we consider how are we, we're really asking about our fruit. How's our fruit? And we might be tempted to answer that question by looking at volume. How much have I done for God? Or how much have I produced? But if we look to the Word of God to answer those questions, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, 33 and 34, a tree is known by its fruit. For out of the mouth speaks what fills the heart. For from the mouth speaks what fills the heart. So when Jesus said, a tree is known by its fruit, the first thing that he mentioned as a place to go to find out whether the tree's been fruitful is to look at its fruit. And to look at its fruit means to look at its conversation. What's the tree been saying? So when we say, how are we really, we're really talking about looking at our conversation. What's our conversation been like? And the tendency might be to think about how much we know or how much we do or what we believe, for example, when we want to evaluate how are we doing. We say, well, you know, I know this and I've learned that and I believe these things. But the reality is that we are really evaluated based on our conversation. At least that's what Jesus said. With that in mind, I want to share with you a message that I don't think in 40-some-odd years of pastoring that I've ever actually spoken on as a topic. I've mentioned it many times, but I'd like to bring it to you today because I believe the Lord wants to do something marvelous for us. And so I want to talk to you this morning about something that I'm sure not a single one of you when I say this is going to think that it's relative to you. But maybe by the time I'm done, you might you might be thinking a little differently. I'm going to share with you this morning about gossip. Did you find Ephesians 4.29? Listen to what Brother Paul says in Ephesians 
You must not let any corrupt communication come out of your mouth, but only what is beneficial for building up the one in need, that it may give grace to those who hear. The only thing that should come out of your mouth is what is beneficial for building up the one in need. When someone is in need, how do you know it? They're not behaving right. And so when someone's not behaving right, how do we respond as the body of Christ? We speak out of our mouth words that build up the one that's in need. So that it may give grace, God's grace, to those who hear. Before I talk specifically about gossip and why gossip is wrong and, and about gossip being a sin, let me just throw out two thoughts to you just so that you can understand why the things I want to say to you about gossip are important. The first thing I want to mention is the word conversation. And the second one I want to mention is the power of the tongue. The Bible says things about both conversation and the power of the tongue. So I just want to share a couple of thoughts with you so that we can kind of create a context. One of my favorite um, psalms is Psalm 50, verse 23. It says, To him that orders, everyone say orders. To him that orders his conversation aright, will I show the salvation of God. I memorized that verse a lot of years ago because I saw right away it really pertained to me. To the one that orders his conversation aright, I will show the salvation of God. I could see a direct connection between the Lord showing me his salvation. And that word salvation encompasses spiritual salvation, physical healing, provision and prosperity, well-being and blessing. So all of the benefits that Jesus Christ brings, God will show them to me as I order my conversation aright. And that word order literally means deliberate, disciplined self-awareness. So if you are going to order your conversation aright and you happen to be the kind of person that speaks without thinking about what you say, you're going to have to first make a change about thinking before you open your mouth. Because the word order means that a person is deliberate and intentional before they speak. They think about. Have you ever gone to an event, a dinner at someone's house, and prepared your mind ahead of time? I'm not going to say this. I'm not going to do that. Of course, sometimes we come home afterwards and say, doggone it. <laughs> but you get the idea to, the, to he who orders his conversation aright. You see, the person who doesn't order the conversation doesn't have a prayer. They don't have a hope because they just speak extemporaneously. So if you're going to see the salvation of God, you have to take seriously ordering and thinking about how you speak. I want to talk for a moment about the power of the tongue. And in fact, let me do this. Let me just let the Bible talk to you about the power of the tongue. Proverbs 15.4 says, A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. Remember, Jesus said a tree is known by its fruit. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in that tree is a breach in the spirit. I want you to think about that contrast between tree of life and a breach or a wound in the spirit. Proverbs 21, 23 says, Whoso keeps his tongue keeps his soul from troubles. Whoever keeps his tongue 
keeps his soul from troubles. Most everybody's heard Proverbs 18.21, but listen Listen how, I believe this comes from the uh, New English translation. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love its use will eat its fruit. Wow. And those who love its use will eat its fruit. Some people love to talk. And of course, I don't say that critically because I probably, I've been accused of loving to talk. It's probably why the Lord gave me the job that he did. <laughs> Um, but people who love to talk, if you love to talk, if you like conversation, then you really better be that person who orders their conversation right. Because if you love to talk and you don't order your conversation, you're going to prattle. And if you don't take the reins of what comes out of your mouth and intentionally tie them to what I'm about to share with you this morning you will end up speaking extemporaneously, just speaking automatically out of the flesh, and you'll likely become a complainer or a gossip at, at some point. So death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love its use will eat its fruit, whether good or bad. James chapter 3 talks all about the tongue, and I've just selected the one verse, verse 2, because it says, For we all stumble in many ways. If someone does not stumble in his speech, he is a perfect individual and able to control his entire body as well. That is so powerful. If a person does not stumble or does not offend with their tongue, they will have the power to guide their whole body. But I think the opposite has to be considered as well, that if you don't control your tongue, your body is going to follow suit and you'll lead an uncontrolled life. So let me just wrap all this up about the power of the tongue and say, your tongue, more than anything else about you, determines your course in life. Whether that course is going to be on a path of blessing, or whether that course is going to be on the course of cursing. Whether you're going to walk in the blessings of God, or whether you're going to walk in a curse, is not determined by your good intentions. Now this is where this gets a little difficult. Good intentions are wonderful. God certainly does weigh our intention. But when it comes to the tongue, good intentions are not enough. I don't want to be the person who always has to go back and say, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. It's good to apologize, but it's better to not have to apologize. You see, the problem is, we're all going to make heaven. Jesus is going to see to that. He's going to bring us there. But I don't want to be that person who gets to heaven and tears are just streaming down my face and the Lord himself is going to have to turn those tears off because I can't stop crying over all the missed blessings I blew in life because I would not control my tongue. And I made excuses for myself. And I said, I can't help it. This is the way I am. And I looked at you know, my family background, my DNA, or I looked at my conditions, or my, my wife, or my kids, or whatever, so you just don't understand what it's like to be me, or... So let me appeal to you, please. There's a path of blessing for you, there's a path of cursing. And the thing about your life, more than any other one element that determines which path you're going to walk on, is your tongue. Death and life, 
and the top power of the tongue. And God wants you to be blessed and walk in life. So, okay, let's get into this. Let me share with you about the sin of gossip. Have you ever noticed how much more articulate people are with gossip than they are with blessing? When it comes time to talking about the problem or gossiping about what's wrong with so-and-so, well, let me put it to you like this. It's like on a Saturday afternoon at the deli counter at Publix. People are taking tickets to get in line. People can't wait for you to stop so they can jump in. People are just downright articulate with gossip. They've got plenty to say. They know how to say it, and they can go on and on and on. Now, contrast that with the prayer and praying blessing over people. You know, when you get into a prayer meeting, it's like crickets. All right, let's pray for so-and-so. And it's really, go from the deli counter at Publix to a foreign language class. And it's like trying to find somebody to volunteer to give a presentation in a foreign language class. There's no takers. I had three years of Spanish one. I was not the guy that, that they invited to stand. I was not going to volunteer to stand up and give a presentation. That's what it's like with many, many Christians. They, boy, when it comes time to gossip or to, quote, share... They interrupt other people because they can't hold what they want to say any longer. Amen. But you get in that foreign language class, and it, it's like a foreign language. It's because they're not articulate when it comes to blessing. They don't know what to say. They, they haven't developed it. It is really dramatic. So, I want you to think about the fact that there is a natural urge within all of us to gossip. And we, most people don't think they're a gossip, but, but many people have really developed and refined gossip. And ask yourself and be honest this morning, how articulate am I when it comes time to pray and to bless? Am I as articulate when it comes to blessing as I am when it comes to gossiping? I want to share with you four ways and I'm going to move through these quickly. But I want to give you four ways that gossip short-circuits the blessing of God and stops the forward progress of God's people. And let's make it personal. Let's say these are four ways that short-circuit God's blessing in your life and stop your forward progress in God. Number one, gossip is sin because it violates grace. Gossip is a sin against the grace of God. It violates grace. In the chapter that talks about us being a new creation in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, it begins in verse 16. Listen carefully how the Apostle Paul words this. And we're thinking about God's grace. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to their flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All of this is from God, 
who through Christ reconciled us to himself and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, he's going to break it down for you. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has entrusted to you the word of reconciliation. Wow. So the Bible says that Jesus came into the world, God working through him to bring grace to people who were sinners. And the Bible says that in order to do that, God did not count their sins against them. Jesus was not on the cross accusing people of their sins. Jesus was not on the cross talking about how badly people mess up, no matter how many chances they've been given. Instead, what was he doing on the cross? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's grace. But the Bible doesn't just say that Jesus showed grace on the cross. It says, then he has given us the word of grace in the form of a ministry. Once you get saved, your life is to be a ministry of grace to people who you could gossip against. But instead, you should be, as it says, know no one any longer according to their failures, but according to who Jesus has called them to be. You are a minister of reconciliation. So the gossiper is basically the person who repeats the story of other people's sins. While Jesus is trying to tell the story of their salvation, the gossiper is standing upon the earth declaring the sins of others. As ambassadors of Christ, charged with the word of reconciliation, the word of grace, we are to align our speech with Jesus, the advocate. But the gossiper is in allegiance with Satan, the accuser. So do you see how that gossip is a sin against the grace of God? When Jesus, the advocate, arose and entered heaven, the Bible says in Revelation, the accuser was cast out. And the Bible says there was no longer any place for him found in heaven. But then there are Christians that stand upon the earth and they align themselves, they go out and realign themselves with the devil in order to gossip against other people and talk about their sins. Yet God has forbidden such talk in, in heaven. So if we are talking about what's wrong with other people, are we being heard in heaven? The devil was kicked out for that very thing. So, number two, gossip violates the blood of Christ. Gossip is a sin against the blood of Christ. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 24 says, And we are coming to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to his sprinkled blood, which speaks of mercy, a better and nobler and more gracious message than the blood of Abel, which cried out for vengeance. And so gossiping, when we tell the story of other people's sins to others, we are sinning against the blood of Jesus Christ. Because even though that person that you're gossiping about probably is guilty of the things you're accusing them of, 
The reality is that's not what Jesus is saying in heaven. The blood of Jesus is crying for a nobler and a better outcome than what the person deserves through their behavior. The blood of Jesus is crying out for mercy. And here we are. Well, let me put it to you like this. Gossipers operate under a critical and judgmental spirit. When you gossip, when you talk about and repeat the story of other people's sins and failures, remember the next time you're tempted to do it, you are operating under a judgmental and a critical spirit that Jesus won't even allow in heaven. And so you are literally bypassing the blood of Jesus in order to cry out against other people's sins. Gossip is a sin against the blood of Jesus. Number three, gossip, it's quiet in here. It's normally, it's a little much, usually a little more rowdy. All right, not getting a lot of whooping and hallelujahs, but I'm just going to move ahead. <laughs> Y'all going to gossip about me after the service, aren't you? Number three, gossip violates God's love. Gossip violates agape. Proverbs 10 and 12 says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. And that proverb was picked up and quoted by Peter in 1 Peter 4 and 8. When Peter repeats it, he puts it in this fabulous context for New Testament believers. And he, he lifts that proverb up like a great jewel and puts it in this all-important covenantal setting and says, this is what being a Christian is all about. So listen to how Peter quotes that. He says, above all, keep your love for one another fervent because love covers a multitude of sins, forgives and disregards the offenses of others. Forgives and disregards. You can't gossip and love somebody. If you are gossiping, you are not loving the person you're gossiping. Parents love to gossip about their kids. They just got a vent. They're just so fed up. They gossip about one another, their husbands, their wives. People always gossip against people that they claim they love. But according to the Bible, if you're gossiping, you're hating them. You're not loving them. And you can't have it both ways. And let me tell you why. Loving someone is not having a feeling for them in your heart. Loving someone is how you treat them. That's love. And so, are you loving your husband, your wife, your friend, your coworker? Are you loving whoever it is that you claim you love, but you've got to tell the story of their sin? Are you really loving them? That's not what the Bible says. The Bible said hatred stirs up strife, but love covers, disregards the offenses of others. Wow. How can I do that? Why should I do that? Didn't that person really do wrong? Yes, but I am an ambassador of Christ. 
whom the Lord has given the ministry of reconciliation. I have the word of reconciliation. God's able to turn that person around and he wants to work through his ambassador. So as the ambassador of Christ, I need to be putting out the word of God concerning that person, not broadcasting their sin, but declaring and broadcasting the Lord's mercy, his forgiveness, and what the Bible says about them. True love requires that you must stop gossiping. One other, before I go on, verse that, that just punctuates the idea that gossip violates God's love. Proverbs eleven thirteen says, by the, word, by, by the way, the word gossip does not appear in the Bible, but the word talebearer is. So a gossip in the Bible is called a talebearer. That's why I use the definition. Gossip is telling the story of other people's sins. A talebearer. So, Proverbs 11.13 says, A talebearer reveals secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit conceals the matter. Love covers a multitude of sins. Have you ever been in a group of people and somebody starts gossiping? They are revealing secrets. Have you ever sat there and thought, why am I hearing this? Why do I need to know this? Why is this significant for me to hear? And then the next question is, why is this person telling me this? If we are to order our conversation aright, then there should be an answer to those questions. There should be an explanation. If we're to order our conversation right, we ought to be able to give an answer. And in fact, Jesus said, you will give an account for every idle word. When we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, not sinners, but Christians, we'll give an account for every idle word. Once God has redeemed us, he asks us to concentrate on our tongue because the tongue is the gate of life and death. And so, the talebearer is revealing secrets. And isn't anybody asking the question, why are you telling me this? What compels you to say this? Why should I hear this? Am I being given information that's not any of my business to know? Do I need to know this about this person in order to pray for them? You know, the sharing time before we pray, by the time the sharing's over with, you can't pray. Amen. Because heaven has shut its door on you. And God will not listen. Because the sharing is really boils down to a bunch of gossip. Do you don't think that God knows what people need? Do we have to give, go into all the grimy details with one another so they can pray effectively? Your prayers aren't what put people back together or heal them. All you need to know is Jesus, His mercy. You need to know the word of reconciliation. The Lord, I assure you, hung on that cross knowing what He was dying for. Jesus knew what He paid the price for. He doesn't need you and I to be a, a prosecuting attorney and complaining to others before you pray for them. You can't have it both ways. Remember this. Don't let this go out of your mind. 
the accuser of the brethren lost his job when the advocate entered heaven. And he, Jesus has given to you that advocacy ministry. Number four, finally. The fourth reason why gossip is a sin is it violates the blessings of God. 1 Peter 3.9 Do not return evil for evil or insult for insult, but instead bless others. I love that. But instead bless others because you were called to inherit a blessing. Believe it today. God has called every one of you to inherit a blessing. The Lord has lined up wonderful blessings so rich and powerful your life can't contain them. He's lined them up there. Your, your name is on it. And God has ordained for every Christian to inherit those blessings. And so the Bible says because you are called to inherit a blessing, instead of cursing or rendering evil for evil, or gossiping about people because they really did do wrong and deserve to have the story of their wrongness told. Instead, bless others because you were called to inherit a blessing. Can I talk with you just a moment about what blessing is? Because I think there's, we use this word blessing. I see it on Facebook all the time. Oh, I was blessed with this. And uh, we, we use that word, and I think it's nice. It's a positive word. But I'm not sure we really understand what blessing is. The word blessing in the Bible, literally comes from a word that means to speak well of. To invoke a benediction upon and prosper. So what blessing really is, blessing isn't good luck. Working in your circumstances. That's what people think a blessing is. I'm going to go out. I'm going to live my life, and I'm going to do it as a Christian. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to pay my tithes, and then I want blessing. I want God to bless me going out and coming in. I want me, Him to bless this and bless that. We see blessing as like heaven's sweet sauce. <laughs> and the Lord just gets his, his barbecue bottle and squeezes sweet sauce over your circumstances, and He coats your circumstances with blessing. So that, not out of the midst of you, but out of the midst of your circumstances, blessings come to you. In other words, we think blessing is good luck. Blessing is not, by definition, is not good luck. Blessing is good speech. Your circumstances don't speak. Who speaks? I do. Who is the one who has the power to bring blessing? Me. Blessing means to speak a benediction or to speak well. And so 1 Peter 3.9 says, because you were called to inherit a blessing, you better get busy speaking blessing. Don't curse. Don't gossip. But instead, bless others. Because God wants to bless you. How's that? Anybody biting on that? Does that sound good to you? Hallelujah. But of course the problem is, when you gossip, when you tell the story of other people's sins, you're uh, aligning yourself with the accuser rather than blessing others and aligning yourself with Jesus the Advocate. 
And by doing so, you're disqualifying your own blessing. You're short-circuiting your own blessing. You are stopping your own forward progress in God. In other words, you're digging your own grave with your tongue. Years ago, I used to hear preachers say that all the time. I thought that was one of the coolest evangelism euphemisms. You're digging your own grave with your tongue. And that's exactly what the gossiper does. God has lined up blessing for you. He's ordained blessing. This explains, by the way, why, at least one of the reasons why, you can have people who've been saved a long time. They study the Bible. They know a lot. They maybe give a lot. They sow. They give. Um, and, but there's not a lot of blessing coming back. Things just go from bad to worse on an ongoing basis over their life. Strife doesn't leave their house. Relationships don't get healed. Things continue to fall apart and decline. Where is the blessing? Where is it? One of the things to look at is, is there a problem of gossip going on? Because death and life are in the power of the tongue. If you are aligning yourself through your, the way you talk about other people, with the accuser, you're taking yourself out of the candidacy that Jesus' blood put you in to receive blessing. Blessing comes from within you, speaking that word of blessing, rather than gossip. All right, let's wrap this up, and let's do it by, by answering a, a simple question. Where do we go from here? What do we do? How do I deal with gossip in my life? Two things I want to give you this morning. Number one, I want to ask you to practice accountability in your personal relationships. Now, I'm like anybody else, and the temptation or the tendency to gossip is as strong in me as it is the average person, I suppose. Um, and when I think about gossip, um, one of the things I realize is that there's a natural urge to gossip that occasionally rises up. And I've, I've thought about why is that? Where does that come from? And, and I believe what happens is whenever our emotions are strongly affected, in other words, we're ticked off by something someone continues to do, the behaviors of someone else, someone else's sin, someone else's failures gets under your skin. Usually you don't care. You see people out doing stupid things all the time. You've got nothing to say about it. It's, there's, but when you start talking about it, it's because it got under your skin. There is emotion rising up in you. Where do you go with it? You see, if you don't order your conversation, that emotion is going to come out your mouth. It absolutely will, unless you have set yourself in a position where you do something about filtering it, dealing with it. So my recommendation to you is twofold. Number one is to get into practice, practicing accountable relationships. Now my wife and I do this, and both of us are about as tempted to gossip as anybody else. And we have to watch it. But I have to say, when I walk through the front door of my house, if something has gotten under my skin, and, the t and I'm thinking, now I don't plan it, but in the back of my mind, I can't wait to see her because I'm going to tell her what happened today. Now, I wouldn't say this to other people, but this is my wife. And so I can dump the garbage on her. 
You know, because this my she understands she won't think bad of me because why would she not think bad of me? Because she dumps the garbage on me because we use each other as a garbage receptacle. We gossip to one another because we're close. It's sharing. It's how we sh- it's how we roll. You see, we use our relationships to damage ourselves spiritually rather than to hold ourselves to a higher and a better standard. So one of the things Kathy and I do is we don't tolerate. We constantly preach each other up so that if one of us, now when you've got a sour, it's like getting food poisoning, and it's like, I just got to get it out. I, it's sitting in there, and it's got to come up. Um, we have a kind of a relationship where we don't tolerate it from one another. The last thing you want when you've got the pressure in your belly to want to gossip is to have your trusted companion say, take it to Jesus. Or you shouldn't be talking like that, or that's gossip. That just, oh, that just makes it, you're just like, ah, ah. It just, you turn into like a raging bull, you know, because you're wanting to relieve the, but have you ever noticed the more you relieve it, the more you feed it, it's just like putting, it's like squirting on the, on the barbecue. Squirting that, that fire starter on there. So if you don't have a relationship in your life that holds you accountable, I suggest you get one. If you do have a relationship that you could, then I suggest that you modify that relationship so that it starts becoming a relationship where the two of you set a goal between you that you're, we need to be blessed. Every married couple should be saying, we need to be blessed. We can't afford to curse ourselves. We need to be blessed. So let us speak blessing to one another. Let's lift each other up. Amen? Amen. You get that. Number, so that's number one. You, you've got that. Let me move on to the, last, the second. Second point. When your emotions stir up, the urge to gossip, resist and immediately the only way to get rid of that, that sour belly that produces gossip, the only place I know, you're either going to gossip or you go to Jesus. If you go to him, he could supernaturally take that sour belly away and you don't have to regurgitate up the story of other people's sins. You don't have to complain. What if you're all revved up about something you've experienced and you're angry about it, you can't wait to get home or get among your friends or go to the prayer meeting and have them pray? (laughs) So you can't wait to tell them about how that thing happened at work. And they have to listen to all that. So instead, you can go immediately to Jesus in prayer and he can make it disappear You say, how can he do it? Because on the cross, he paid for that sin that's irritating you. He paid for that. He is the one who disposed of those sins through his death on Calvary's cross. But trust me, saints of God, if he could take your sin away, he can surely take away the sins of people that are making you frustrated and have that temptation to gossip. So what do you do when you go to Jesus in prayer? You reverse the gossip. You relieve your emotions by doing these simple things. Number one, break your connection with the accuser. Repent. Get down on your knees. Fall on your face. Do whatever you need to do to get serious with God. 
and say, Lord, forgive me. I acknowledge, I acknowledge that I'm tempted right now to align with the accuser. The accuser's wanting to use my mouth and I'm wanting to let him. Break the connection with the accuser. Call on the name of Jesus. Number two, realign with Jesus, your advocate. If you have to open your Bible and read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Jesus was not counting their sins against them, but rather reconciling them and has given to you the word of grace. If you have to read it where he says you are an ambassador of Christ, then read it to yourself and say, Lord, I disconnect, I divorce myself from the enemy, the accuser, and I realign with you. I am an advocate. I'm an I'm, uh, Jesus is my advocate. I'm an ambassador of the Lord. So renew your ambassadorial call to be a speaker of grace. If you do this, that, you'll notice that pressure will start going down inside your heart. That, that the, the, the repentance, the turning to the Lord, will begin to dissipate all that built-up emotion. Why do, we call, why do we worship Jesus as the burden bearer if we don't believe that he really does bear those burdens? This is what we need to do with other people's mistakes and other people's sins. And this is what you wish they would do with yours, isn't it? So you reverse the gossip by declaring God's words and, and blessing them instead. In other words, bless others instead. So while you're in prayer, whatever it was you wanted to gossip about that person, speak the word of God over them. If you think, well, that person is stupid and they're just ignorant. Then pray over them and say, Lord, I thank you that you have given so-and-so the mind of Christ. I pray for them and I thank you for blessing them with, with wisdom. Hallelujah. You do that and that spirit of gossip will leave you. And you know what? Blessing will begin to come to your life. You do that consistently. And your tongue is speaking the blessing that God will bless you with. Let me read this verse to you finally at the end. And with this, we'll, we'll pray together. In Isaiah, Isaiah is called up at the very beginning of his ministry to appear before God because God wants to use him as a prophet of God. So the guy's got to be pretty, pretty religious, pretty spiritual person to begin with for God to call him, right? So God calls him and he goes up before the throne of God and when he sees God and he sees the holiness of God, it's like a spear right through his ribs. He, conviction just hits him. That moment where it's like, oh my God. When you're among people and you go to work every day and everybody's crude, you think, well, I'm better than most of them. You know, you gauge yourself by the world. But if all of a sudden you appeared in the presence of God, the contrast would just almost slay you. This is what happened to Isaiah. Listen to what Isaiah said. Isaiah 6 and verse 5. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. In other words, I'm a gossip and we're all a bunch of gossips. Because my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the angels flew to me, 
having a live burning coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs off of the altar of God. And he laid that coal upon my mouth, and he said, Now this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin purged. Also, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And then said I, Here am I, send me. God has called us to go into the world. And oftentimes we're hesitant. We don't know why. But we've gossiped. We've been like Isaiah. I'm a man or a woman of unclean lips and I, and I hang out with a bunch of gossips. That's what we do. We get together and share. But now I've seen the Lord and I know that none of that sharing goes on in His presence. And so the Lord didn't kick Isaiah away. He didn't criticize him. He didn't put Isaiah down. You know what he did? An angel flew with a burning coal of the fire of the Lord off of the altar. And he said, here. And he touched his lips with that spirit of of fire, the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and he cauterized that, that spirit of gossip, and instantly Isaiah felt free. He knew he was pure. And then God said, I need someone to go for me. And Isaiah jumped up with confidence. He said, here am I. Send me. Hallelujah. So this morning, where are we going with this message? I open with a question as I share about the church and the body of Christ and our signs. The natural question comes up, how are we? Really, how are we? As we take stock and realize, well, maybe we've let gossip stop us from being vessels that God can use and manifest His power through, then what is the answer? The Lord doesn't want us to crawl away in guilt or in shame because there's no hope of ever changing there. Instead, He says, I have for you what you need. You are forgiven. And he hits us with the anointing of the Holy Spirit and burns that away. And then he immediately says, you're on probation. I'm going to be watching you for the next month. If you do well, I might use you. No, the Lord says immediately, goody, as you jump up and say, here am I, send me. So I want you to stand with me this morning. And rather than asking, I'm not going to bother asking. <laughs> Instead, we are all going to step before the presence of the Lord and let Him put that coal upon our lips. We've heard a message today that's touched our heart. And I, I feel that, that the fire of the Lord is touching some hearts this morning. And we're going to let the Lord correct to whatever degree it needs correcting, correct our heart and our life. And I'm sure that probably many of you, just like I am, as I think of leaving this service today and thinking, God, I hope I can keep this up. <laughs> That's why I gave you those last two points. Because I know when I stumble, Kathy's going to be right there to, to not put up with it. 
and likewise between us. And um, I'm going to make that commitment. I know I can go to Jesus. If I stumble and gossip, I know I can go to him. If I'm tempted to, I know I can get that reversed. So let's, let's prepare for that coal. Heavenly Father, we come boldly to the throne of grace today, not because we are bold in our performance, but because we're bold in your performance. We know, Lord, that you have carried our sins at Calvary's cross. And the blood of Jesus is saying better things about us than maybe we're feeling about ourselves right now, but we're just so grateful that we really are the righteousness of God in Christ. That there is nobody that, Lord, in front of a message like this can walk away and say, I'm better than somebody else. And so, Father, I'm asking that you would take the coal of the Holy Spirit right now and touch my lips. Touch us right down to our heart, our conscience. I want to order my conversation aright so that you can show the salvation of God. Give me that self-awareness. Let my heart be set on fire today. And let that fire continue to burn. Lord, I just want to say thank you and praise you. I give myself to you as an ambassador for Christ. You are in the world, not counting their sins against them. You are the advocate with your precious blood of people's forgiveness and your grace. And so, Lord, I present myself to you, having rejected the accuser. I will not be his servant. Instead, I am before you now, Lord. As your servant, let me be an advocate of grace. I hate gossip. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Father, that the blood, the blessing, the love, hallelujah, those, the grace, those four things that you have given are mine, and they will not be defiled. They are the treasure that I have in you. Lord, thank you for setting that coal upon our church and lifting our church out from under any kind of curse of gossip and setting us on that fresh path of righteousness today in Jesus' name. And I pray for everyone who hears this message through their computer or by CD, not only today, but in the future, that the same presence of your conviction will be upon them when they hear this word and you will work to free your people to be the ambassadors of Christ in Jesus name. Amen.